Our future is closer than we think. Our needs are growing, and so is the demand for energy, including more U.S. oil and natural gas. Our economy, our security, our nation all run on energy. Oil and natural gas make up more than 70% of the energy we use every day. And American energy is produced to among the highest environmental standards in the world. It's time to shine a light on the policies that threaten a reliable energy future. Policies like restricting access to U.S. oil and gas leases, limiting U.S. liquefied natural gas, and canceling pipeline projects. The realities we face are clear. American energy is America's advantage. Tell Washington we need smart policies today to ensure a brighter tomorrow. Visit lightsonenergy.com. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. This episode is brought to you by Viore. Give the active people in your life something they'll truly appreciate. Performance apparel from Viore. Whether they're into running, surfing, hiking, or even just casual walks around the block, there's something for everyone. And if you're not sure what to gift them, you can't go wrong with something from Viore's Dream Knit Collection. It's the perfect gift and so comfortable. Get 20% off your first purchase today at Viori, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Spotify. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Age of Radio. Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. Hi. Hello. Welcome to episode 155. Yes. We're going to talk about Jeffrey Dahmer. Some more. Yes, some more. Parrot 2. Just a little bit. But first... How do they find us on social media? If you guys want to check us out on social media, you can find us at Color Me Dead Pod on Twitter, at the Color Me Dead, oh, at Color Me Dead Podcast on Instagram, Gory underscore Nikki on Instagram, or Color Me Dead Angel on Instagram. Facebook, we have the Color Me Dead Podcast page. It might be a little difficult to find. We have had issues. Yeah, we've had two of our groups shut down for community standards, um, so we no longer have a group page um, to promote, and uh, so there's that. If you guys want some merch. You can get some. Mm-hmm. At colormedeadpod.threadless.com or legracreations.com. You guys want custom 
Color Me Dead. It's a LeGraw. Yes, it is. <laughs> if you guys are ever having issues on one of your podcast apps, you know that you can always go to ageofradio.org slash dead, and you can listen to the show there. You can shop the bazaar. You can donate to our Patreon. You can check out other shows. We highly encourage you to check out the entire list of sister shows and brother shows. So many uh, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. Pod fam. Sister Jansen? Is she there? No. She not. And that Patreon, should you want to donate to our Patreon, you can do so. At, well, you can do it at Age of Radio. There's a button on our page on Age of Radio, or you can go to Color Me Dead Pod. No. You you can go to patreon.com slash Color Me Dead Podcast. And there you can find everything. Sometimes it's a little glitchy, but... um. We thank everybody that donated. A lot of stuff just went out. So hopefully you got yours. If you didn't, let me know. Enjoy your perks. Yes, enjoy your perks. If you're new within the last month, yours has not gone. Has not. Has not. Making up words now. Has not gone out yet. But they will. You can send us shit to P.O. Box 1610, Fernal, Utah, 84078. Physical mail. I don't know if you can physically mail yourself. Please don't physically mail yourself. Or any body parts. No body parts. No. Nope. If you have anything to share with us, you need to make any questions, comments, concerns, emotional outbursts, please send those to colormedeadpodcast at gmail.com. We got an email. Oh, yeah. That made me happy. Did yeah, you read that one? You and me both. Yeah. Yes. I screenshotted it because it made me happy. Um, it's from Timothy Jansen. So thank you for your... Email. Brother Timothy. Brother Timothy Jansen. Your comments. Uh, so thank you for your email first and foremost, because I swear to God, those always come in when we need them the most. Big time. Um, it meant a lot to us. So thank you. It really did. Yeah. Enough that I was like, screenshot. Oh, you're like, I'm going to put this in my favorites so that when I'm having a fucked up day, I can for pull real. this up and be like, ah, for real. Yeah. <laughs> this is it right <laughs> here. Um, while we're talking about that, I'm just going to say, I don't know if we've said it really before, episodes are going to be a little shorter to make it more manageable for us to get out. That means less recording time and less editing so we can fit it in because we're both freaking buried as hell right now. But hey man, life is off the meter. Yes. And, it, and it's a good way buried, but it's still fucking a lot. It's a little hectic. So yeah, here we go. Here we go. Um... And if we miss episodes, that's why, too. Like, there's just so much fucking shit going on. So thanks for sticking with yes. us through everything. Yes. And that's why our Patreons mean a lot to us. You always do, but right now more than ever, because you're sticking with us in these times where we're... These strange and unusual times. Strange and unusual times. I was almost upset when I looked down and saw something on my cup, and I was like, oh, it's that fucking mint. Oh, it's my mint. So... I'm going to recap the books used for the research in this. It's the Dahmer book by Stephen Lampley and a father's story by Lionel Dahmer. When we last left you, Jeff had just graduated from high school and he hadn't yet started killing people. He was still dismembering all the roadkill and all that shit. However, the murder thoughts were really running through his mind quite thick by now. In Lionel's book, he goes into depth about the troubles at home. And we talked about the ups and downs with Joyce. He goes into a lot more. 
he goes in a lot of detail about it and it's really, really interesting. And just that would take a couple of episodes to like dive into all of the shit that he talks about, about their relationship. And it's really interesting. So if you get the chance, check that book out. It's, it's a unicorn though. Like we are lucky that we got it, um, from, from Kate, Kate Horst. Thank you for sending it to us. Um, but if you get the opportunity to take it, to read it, do it. Um, it's, yeah, it's like about as rare and about as pricey as the Pee Wee Gaskins book, mm-hmm. but not as violating. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> it will get your heartstrings though. It's like, it's hurt. It's painful. You can, throughout the, uh, the book, you can see where he's blaming himself for not catching this and not catching that. And the things that a parent would obviously normally do in that situation because you would go back and be like what did i I fucking do like where what signs did i miss Mm -hmm. i should have seen this i should have noticed that and i'm like god damn it dude whether you're right or wrong ouch you're hurting my hurt you're hurting my hurt (laughs) just a little bit so joyce's father joyce being jeff's matter Joyce's father died in 1977. He was an addict and had put her through hell during her life, which kind of explains why she was a little bit of a shit show there. Lionel expressed how much he didn't know how to help her throughout the relationship because he just didn't understand what she had been through and what she needed. So he was like, um, I see that you're upset. I don't know what to do. I'm sorry. But he was, he tried like... From his point of view, he tried. And then, uh, I, I fully understand, though, like not everybody knows how to help. Mm-mm. And when you don't know how to do something, in my book, if I don't know how to do something perfectly to where I'm going to do it, like, I, I can't explain it. If I'm not going to do it 100% and make it perfect, then I don't want to fucking do it. No. And more often than not, my I'll extend an offer of assistance and my... The way that I do it is not fucking helpful. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. I know that people say things trying to help, but you end up hindering. Right. It's kind of like when I'm in the middle of a, a really shitty depression, my brother, God bless him. He's always trying to be my cheerleader. He's like, let's get up and go out and get some sunshine and go hiking and da 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 da. And I'm like, bruh, I barely had the fucking wherewithal to go take a shower and brush my teeth. Give me a second. You know what I mean? So I know Fuck off with your sunshine, asshole. Fucking, what do you have to be so goddamn happy about? (laughs) But when he's trying to be uplifting and help, you know what I mean? To me, I know that he's trying to help, but I'm like, get off my dick. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like he was like, I don't understand this. So he talked about, you know, how um, Joyce had all those seizures and all those problems. Right. Um, He said that some of the doctors, not saying they were 100% right. Some of the doctors had mentioned that a lot of it was mental. Perhaps she was inducing her. Like, I've actually heard about this. People that stress themselves out to mm-hmm. a point that they can actually have like tremors physical. and physical mm-hmm. ailment like seizure. Yeah. And so then she was taking pills to deal with it. The pills weren't working because it wasn't as physical. It wasn't like, neur- it wasn't neurological. Mm-hmm. It was something. Yeah. I mean, and like I said, that's just his point of view. So it is what it is, but... I get it. So when they were at her father's funeral, she told Lionel that when she saw her father's dead body, she felt that their marriage was also dead. Like, oh, wow. Whoa. Okay. He he later found out that she had an affair. 
So I, I know that their, their relationship was strained anyway. So I don't think the affair is what broke the camel's back. I think okay. the straw that broke the, I like to only say half sayings. This is my George Bidening. <laughs> <laughs> I renamed it because it's George, you know, you get it. Yep. The Bush Biden situation. The Bush Biden I situation. Call, I call it George Biden. I also walk upstairs like he does. <laughs> Just say it. In the divorce, she was supposed to sell him the house. She would be living there with David and Jeff until the sale was final, and then would um, then Lionel would move back in. However, she took off. This is when she went to go find herself. Okay. Um, that cleared it up for me because I was like, so everybody's like, fuck Jeff, you stay in the house by yourself? Like, I did not <clears throat> get this at all, but Lionel straightened it out for me. He didn't know. In his mind... She was living at the house until the sale was final. This, you know, the sale of their house to him because right. of the divorce. And so he thought that the three of them were living at the house while he was at a hotel. And not the case. So June 18th of 1978, Jeff was driving a four-door blue car that his father had left for him. Father does not talk about this part in his book. So I don't know if that's one of the things that was supposed to be like in the divorce here, you get this car, I'm, you know, or like, I don't know that I, that wasn't straightened out anywhere for me that I could find. Um, Jeff saw a teenager hiking shirtless and picked him up. Okay. He was six feet tall, about 150 pounds with shoulder length, light brown hair. Six feet tall at 150? Yeah, he was a skinty. Yeah, he was. I used your lanky. word. Yep. But Jeff, Jeff liked it. Jeff oh. liked what he looked like. Oh, but he did. He had a dental retainer on a necklace. <laughs> Does that take anybody back in <sighs> the day? Who puts their retainer on a necklace? So it's like, I don't, I always saw people put them in their paper towels and in their pockets. That's how oh my most God. people lost so, theirs. Yes. So let me just. Lunch tray. Oh, God damn it. I broke mine because oh. I would take it out. That's why mine was cemented to my teeth for so fucking mm. long. Was because those were incredibly expensive to replace. Yeah. And they were about $400 every time you fucking broke one. Yep. And orthodontics are incredibly fragile. Um, so I would continually, like I threw one away because I put it in a fucking paper towel. At lunch and yep. threw your whole tray uh-huh. away. Yep. And my mom and dad replaced that one. And then I would pop it out and stick it in my back pocket. And then I fucking forgot and sat on it, broke it, didn't want to tell him, went home and tried to fucking gorilla glue it. Oh, like no. JB Weld it back together. That's what it was. It wasn't gorilla glue. It was fucking JB Weld. Oh, God. And I, two things happened. A, I put the fucking JB Weld on there, and then as it, like, was kind of dry, I put it in my mouth to form it, right? Oh, fuck. And ended up with a chemical burn on the roof of my mouth. Okay, fucking mistake number one. Well, mistake number two was that it had already started to um, solidify. So even though I put it in my mouth and tried to form it the way that it was supposed to be, it was still a little bit off, so it actually pushed one of my fucking teeth back. Oh, no. Yeah, because my teeth were still very, like, impressionable Mm -hmm. with movement. Anyway, the point being that... I popped it out of my mouth in front of my mom and she fucking saw the hillbilly fucking (laughs) engineering that Mm -hmm. took place and was like, what the fuck? And she looked at my teeth. She like grabs me by the cheeks and pulls my face in. And she realizes that like my top teeth alignment is out. Yeah, dude. 
Moms are fucking psychos. Um, I didn't wear my bottom retainer because I didn't like it. So it was like <laughs> one or the other. And so my bottom teeth are all fucked up. They're already, I love they're that crooked. we decide after our parents put all this fucking time and money into our teeth. We're just like, mm, right? no. Well, I was like, I wore my fucking braces for five goddamn years. And the bottom, my bottom teeth weren't my problem. So it's like after five years of being in the right spot, I think we're good. It's my top teeth I need to worry about. Well, my top teeth are still fine, minus the ones that fell out because I didn't brush them like I was supposed to when I had braces. Well, hmm. you know, it could certainly be worse. You could have, you know, overbrushed them to where you took the enamel off your teeth and then they rotted out of your skull. Well, either way, we're both fucking toothless and 40, right? Well, I have my front teeth. Like, I have those ones. I have some chewing teeth on this side. I have a chewing tooth. <laughs> a. But I have the ones that oh, matter. I'm working on it. All right. I know. I need. I, I want to get mine fixed so bad. Okay. Well, so retainers these days. Do they? Do they put them in permanent now? <clears throat> I think that they. They can put the the wire behind. Yeah. And like put some sealant or whatever. Mine mine was like my permanent, my retainer on the back of my bottom teeth was a permanent retainer. I wish I would have done that. But yeah, I don't see kids with retainers all the time anymore. Mm -mm. And so I was wondering. Well, and I think they have more like they can do the Invisalign retainer as well. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Yeah. So if you don't know what a retainer is, look it up. They were fun. But he had his... He had his on a necklace around his neck, which is some semi-important right now. So just remember the the, the retainer on the necklace. Twas a retainer. Yes. Um, so Jeff really liked what he looked what he looked like, and so he was like, "I think that I might need to pick him up." This kid's name was Stephen Mark Hicks, and he was 18 years old as well. Stephen was on his way to a concert, but agreed to go to Jeff's house first for some beers. Before the concert, this is the 70s. This was a normal thing from this what was, I gather. Dude, it was a normal thing when I was a fucking youngster. Right. You like, hitchhike. Oh, you want to come have a beer? Sure. Dude, the thing, I'm surprised I fucking lived through my right. young adulthood because I was a pretty wild and free teen slash 20 somethings. You know what I mean? Like I was going to fucking Mexico to party and get high and like. With uh, my, via hitchhiking. With Just like, n- no, I drove <laughs> and parked on the U.S. side and then would walk over. But like, dude, I was going and drinking with people I didn't know, taking drugs with people I didn't know in a country I am not fucking from. You know what I mean? Like, dude, and that was the 90s. And no, let's be honest. That was the 2000s, the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like times ain't changed that fucking much. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Except for now, we can track your cell phone if you go hitchhiking and all True that True story. Shit. We can, so, like, life is quite a bit different now. Like, we can find you. Yes. Um, so, they go to Jeff's room when they get to Jeff's house and are drinking their beer. After about two hours, Stephen said he needed to head to the concert that he was trying to go to anyway. And Jeff didn't like that decision. He was like, nope, don't leave me. Can't leave me. Nope. And he got upset, and they got into a physical altercation. Dahmer came up behind him, clubbed him with a barbell, and knocked him out. When he fell to the floor, he then um, choked him with the barbell to death. So he had Put it, it over his, yep, yeah. over his neck and was just... Because I think it was just like the hand, you know, for curls and shit. 
But let, it, let this be a teachable moment that this is always why you need a spotter when you're actually lifting. Right? Unless, you know what I mean? So if you intend to use anything that you're going to put over your chest where you breathe. Yeah. Please get a spotter. And I wonder, I, I just had a thought. I wonder if it really was like a big, like 45 pound barbell that he just whacked him on the noodle with, or if it, in my mind, it was just like a hand. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to say it was probably no more than 20, 25 pounds. Right. Like if you're going to swing it overhead. Yeah. Because Jeffrey Dummer wasn't a big dude. Not, not a huge. He was bigger than I thought. Hmm. Um, yeah, so he chokes him until he dies. And then proceeds to stand over his dead body and masturbate. Because don't homicidal rages make you need? Yeah. Yeah. Of course they do. So once he blew his load... He drug the body to the crawl space of his house and left him there until the next day. Okay. Okay. Why not? Like you do. Well, then the next day he figures he better get rid of the evidence. So he dismembers the body and puts the parts into three different trash bags. He intended to dump them in a gully somewhere. (coughs) Smart, Jeffy. (laughs) (laughs) He put the... Okay, after they're dismembered in bags, he puts the bags in the backseat of the car. Backseat, not the trunk, the backseat. So, but how did... All right, so my question, back to the dismemberment. Do you know how he dismembered and what went in what bag? No, I don't. And I don't know... And this is from two different different books. They didn't really go into the details of the dismembering. It was just that he cut him up into pieces. So I'm thinking it was, you know... I wonder if he did job or something. Oh, rough. But well, in in one thing I read too, it said that. Well, this is this is later that, but after it decomposed, he like peeled the skin off of it. I'll get to that in a minute. I was just curious, like how how he decided. Like, apparently, there's a a process that one is supposed to fucking do when you dismember yeah i don't think he like fred wested it or anything i think Mm. he just like quartered him type situation okay like Like make it easier to fucking lift and carry in in bags was only 150 pounds so like what 225 of dead weight yeah Hmm. it's not yeah and he was long and lanky so (laughs) i don't know i'm not i'm sorry i'm not laughing at the at the victim i promise no but well so he puts the the I take it back. I don't promise. I may have laughed at him. Right. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. He puts the bags in the backseat of the car because apparently the trunk is too much. And then he's driving at 3 a.m. to go dispose of said body parts when he is pulled over for driving left of the center lane. He stays calm. Even though he's like flipping the fuck out inside, he's calm. And... um. The officer shines the flashlight. Uh, the officer's talking to him, and he's calm and cool, and he's like, yeah, you know, where are you going? Whatever. I don't know what, I don't know what he said, but he shines the light on the flashlights in the back seat. said, what's in those? Jeff's like, it's trash. I'm going to take it to the dump later today when it's, you know, when it's not 3 o'clock in the morning. And the officer's like, okay, cool. But then he was like, why are you out so late? It's 3 o'clock in the morning. You're 18 years old. Jeff Reasonable said, question. Yes. Jeff's like, well, my parents just got divorced and I can't sleep, so I'm trying to drive around to take my mind off of it. And the officer's like, hey, but I feel like you're a little drunk. And so he gives him a field sobriety test, 
which he passes, and he really was drunk. He just, he passed it. Hey, man, some of us were really good at that. Right, and I think he was at that point already, because if you remember, he was drinking. He right. was a full-blown alcoholic all through high school. So by the time he's 18, he's I probably could have performed the kick line of cabaret. Yeah. While I was fucking three sheets. Yeah, So, and I think that's at the point he's at. So he ended up getting off with a $20 citation and sent on his way. For crossing the center line? Crossing the center line. All right. Reasonable. Imagine being that police officer that's like, I pulled him over. I looked at the body (laughs) parts. To be fair, there are other officers in this story that deserve way more scrutiny. Oh, for real. We'll get to that. I could imagine this guy, though, is like, I could have caught him. I could have ended this. Mm Mm-hmm. Sorry, officer, if you're still alive and I just made that worse for you. Um, that was enough to scare him a little bit. So he went home and came up with a new plan for the, the disposal of this body. He put the body parts in a drainage pipe behind his house where he left them for two weeks. Because that's not stinky. Once the body... I had, feel like that was more intentional than people might know. It is. I'm going to tell you why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because once the body had decomposed, he took a sledgehammer and smashed all the bones into small pieces. And this is where, in another place, it said that he peeled the the skin away from mm-hmm. the body and then smashed it all up. So that it was just like pieces of decomposed bone. It wasn't anything that was like... I think it would have been... Had somebody found it past that point of being malleted... Um, you see fragments of bones all yeah. the time in drainage pipes in, you know, mm-hmm. could have been an animal, could have been who fucking knows. And right. quite frankly, after a bone is broken and bleached, you don't even know that that's bone. No, no. And I, I bet that there was a lot more to this. And, and if I read, I bet I could read all the, all the other books, but I'm trying to, you know, we're sticking to just a few. <laughs> you can't read every book. No, but I'm sure somewhere it says like his exact method and maybe it doesn't i don't know anyway once he sledgehammered the bones he scattered the pieces in a rocky cliff area behind his house smart fly whatever pieces of bone fly far away he burned steven's clothing and threw the retainer necklace into the i think i'm gonna massacre this because it's you know some out that way, mid Midwest, but it's Cuyahoga River. No, I think it's either Cayuga or Cuyahoga. Yeah, I, I think I think you said it right. We'll find out. Somebody's going to tell us, and actually, they're probably clawing at their brain right now, like yeah. saying whatever yeah. proper pronunciation that Joe, is. Joe, let me know what it is. <laughs> but he threw <laughs> the retainer into the river along with the knife that he used to dismember the body. Stephen's family reported him missing, but after a few months, the case went dormant. It was still active, but it was dormant because he was another hitchhiker that just, you know, back then, as we've covered, I don't know how many times, a hitchhiker, what evidence do you have? What do you have? (laughs) Nothing. You got nothing, dude. He was walking down the road. Nobody saw him get picked up. The end. In Lionel's book, he talked about how he used to call the house to talk to Dave and Jeff after the divorce. But in August, his calls weren't answered for over a week. 
um, he went by to check the house because he was like, why, why are these calls not being answered? I don't know. <laughs> Jeff answered the door. Lionel asked where David was. Dave, David, I don't know. Name David. They call him Dave a lot in the book. But Jeff didn't answer. He asked where his mom was. He's like, where's your mom? Where's Dave? And Jeff's like, he just stares at him. Uh. <laughs> so Lionel looked into the house and saw a bunch of teenagers that all seemed disoriented and they just kept touching things. So I would imagine they were on ecstasy. Yes. I have no idea. I don't know. Um, I don't know when ecstasy and MDMA first mm. made an appearance. I know that it was wildly popular in the 90s and in the 2000s. And it was it was popular before I started raving and taking it and shit. So I don't know if it maybe was called something else, but I know that there are other um, psychedelics and yeah. hallucinogens that make touchy-feelies equally as fun. So I don't know. I think I just decided that it was, um, ecstasy because a, I don't, I don't know my drugs because you don't have any reference. I have no, yeah, I have zero (laughs) reference for drugs period. And I had friends that, um, did ecstasy one day. Ecstasy is the most touchy feely that you'll find. And they said that they found, uh, one of those soaker hoses and just sat there and played with the soaker hose for like a few hours or however long ecstasy lasts. I don't know. Depends on how good your shit was and how you took it. Apparently they just sat there and played with that. Um, that doesn't surprise me. I've been on some pretty intense drugs. Um, not anytime recently, just in case there's any officers of the law locally that are listening to this. I don't Mm -hmm. do that. Um, but back in 2006, when I went to Bonnaroo, uh, it's hotter than fuck in Tennessee in the middle of the goddamn summer, and we're at a music festival, oh. and I can smell my flesh cooking. I'm high as oh, a God. fucking giraffe's ass in the middle of Africa, and I'm like, we got to find some shade, some fucking water. Like, I'm going to have a stroke. Anyway, there's a misting tent, okay, that you can go uh-huh. get some shade, get a little wet, get a little, you know. Yep. Anyway, I just want everybody to know that the best time to experience a misting tent is in the middle of the summer in Tennessee while you're full of the best MDMA you've ever fucking taken. I can understand why that soaker hose would have been so goddamn fun. <laughs> Wait, what's MDMA? So, so uh, same thing. In ecstasy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, hold, hold on and explain the drugs to me, please. Cause same I don't know same thing. It's just like if you can get like quality MDMA. Wow. It's okay. a better fucking time than right. getting like an ecstasy that like ecstasy press tab that's been pressed with other drugs and fucking shit to make it the little pill. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Which I mean, those are equally as fun. You never know what's in them. Like I know your drug dealer might tell you, but like if you can't trust a drug dealer, who can't you fucking trust? What's that this press Rooflin? tab? Rooflin. Roofy. Roofy. What Rooflin? You never know what they press that shit with. No, you could get fucking no. something that's nice and speedy or something that's full of ketamine and then you can't fucking get out of a chair. Like, oh God. you don't know. Nope. Well. I sound like a complete junkie right now. You're just knowledgeable. Life experience. Research. We'll call it research. Fucking level up, motherfuckers. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> research for your current job because you need to know <laughs> right? what they're on dude if a kid comes in fucked up i'm like ugh, call the nurse he's full of fucking heroin <laughs> right see experience it, it's research it was research <laughs> <laughs> anyway so all these people are touching all the things and feeling textures and jeff finally answers the question that lionel keeps asking about his mom and all he said was they moved out 
<laughs> like, okay, what? <laughs> so Lionel's like, what? They moved out? And he's like, where did they move to? And Jeff's like, I don't know. They moved out. They went away. <laughs> so Lionel had his new girlfriend, Sherry, with him, who he had started dating. He talks about her a little bit in the book. But we don't need, we don't need all the details about Sherry. Our future is closer than we think. Our needs are growing. And so is the demand for energy, including more U.S. oil and natural gas. Our economy, our security, our nation all run on energy. Oil and natural gas make up more than 70% of the energy we use every day. And American energy is produced to among the highest environmental standards in the world. It's time to shine a light on the policies that threaten a reliable energy future. Policies like restricting access to U.S. oil and gas leases, limiting U.S. liquefied natural gas, and canceling pipeline projects. The realities we face are clear. American energy is America's advantage. Tell Washington we need smart policies today to ensure a brighter tomorrow. Visit lightsonenergy.com. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. But she walks into the house and starts to look around. It was obviously a wreck. There's hardly any food in the pantry. And the fridge was broken. Okay. So he didn't have any food in the fridge at all. Okay. There was a pentagram drawn on the coffee table in chalk. Uh, I was like, that's nothing to worry about. You could see that at my house at any point in time. <laughs> I'm like, uh, <laughs> my kid was scared of ghosts once. Like, they're like, we found this old abandoned house, blah, blah, blah. And it, it, they were with my sister. And I, he was flipping the fuck out. I was like, draw a pentagram and get some, some salt. You know how to do this. Because we had been watching... Uh, Supernatural. Supernatural. She flipped out. She's like, what the fuck are you teaching your kids? I'm like, to not be scared of shit? Like, I thought it was funny. And he he giggled and, like, was able to ground himself, and then he was over it. But. Jesus. Either way. Anyway. What are you teaching your kids? To be human. Witchcraft, motherfucker. Yeah. 
Do, do you not do that? Do you not summon demons? I don't know. Do you not know how to cast? Jesus. Yeah. Hello. Sort yourself out. Yeah, so she sees that and then uh, um, found out that Jeff had been trying to perform a seance to contact the dead. I don't know who he was trying to contact, but somebody that was dead, clearly. Okay. Um, after they discovered all of this, Lionel and, and his girlfriend, Sherry, moved into the house, like back into the house immediately. So one day, Sherry stopped by the house before an appointment and found Jeff drunk and, like, nearly passed out. He was at that in-and-out kind of stage Mm -hmm. in his room. She called Lionel and told him to come home because he was like, dude, your kid's drunk. By the time Lionel got there, Sherry had already gone to her appointment and came back, and Jeff was still in his room, like, half passed out on his bed. Lionel was shocked because he didn't even know Jeff drank at this point. Oh, my. This is part of the reasons why he's beating himself up, because he doesn't know. He didn't know he drank. He didn't know that he had a problem with alcohol. He still doesn't find out for a while. Um, Jeff told Lionel that he had a few friends over, and they got drunk. Like, whatever, dude. <laughs> it's not that big a deal. Yeah. People do it all the time. So while Lionel's chewing his ass, he basically had no emotion and just said he drank out of boredom. So he's just sitting there taking his ass, chewing like... Whatever. Okay, cool. I was bored. (laughs) Dad, I was bored. Okay. He was not only drinking, but he was stealing shit, I'm sure, to pay for alcohol. Uh, He had stolen two of Sherry's rings. When he was confronted, he acted like all upset about the accusation. He's like, me? Steal? And they knew for a fact that it was him on one of them. The first one, they didn't know for sure. So they kind of let it go. And then the second one, they knew for sure that it was him. But he was like, what? No. After this, (laughs) Lionel spent a lot of time trying to find Dave. So after he's like dealing with Jeff, he's like, Jesus Christ, we have this mess. But I can't find my 12-year-old kid. He also basically told Jeff, you're going to college. If you're going to live here, you're going to go to college. You you can't make your own decisions. You're an idiot. Go. So Sherry made a big deal out of it. And she was like, let's go get you some clothes for college. And let's go get ready. And he had no emotion throughout the entire process. Um, <clears throat> even all the way up until he left for college. In September of 1978, he started classes at Ohio State University. He wanted to major in business. However, during his first semester, he got a whopping Point four five GPA. Wow. Yeah. Do you you have to like actively fucking try try to get a point four five? Like I feel like even I could pull a one. Uh, <laughs> for real though. <laughs> um, it's safe to say that he flunked out. So Lionel and Sherry went and got him and brought him home. They went back a week later to get his stuff, and his room was all nice and tidy, but. There was a row of beer and wine bottles along the top of his closet. This is when Lionel finds out a little bit more. Because after talking to his roommates, he discovered that Jeff drank every single day. That he would stay in bed and not even attempt to get up all day long. Hence the .45 GPA. Like, how did he mm. get How did he get it up to a .45 is what I'm wondering. Did he go to That's class fair. a couple times? Like, I maybe for like that first day when yeah. you like turn in the assignment that is like your name and basic information. Yeah. Like you agree that you got the syllabus for the <laughs> for the semester. That's maybe that's, that's the, the obligatory GPA when you enroll. 
<laughs> right? You can't. You start get below. with a 0.45. It doesn't get any lower than that. They just give you that. You can't get a zero. <laughs> That's it. So Lionel gives him two options at this point get a job or go to the military. Later on down the road, Jeff says, I should have gone to college and gone to gone into real estate and got myself an aquarium. That's what I should have done. And got myself an aquarium. I agree. I feel like that's my eight year old making life plans. I should have go I should go to college and go into real estate and get an aquarium. Good choices. I like it. A, you don't really need to go to college to do real estate, I know, because it's a little bit of what I do. And I don't have to go to college. Anyway, but I do want an aquarium, so I'm, I'm with him on that. Right. A big fucking one, like a whole wall. I do, but mm. I, I also need somebody. I have to be able to afford somebody else, like, managing that. Because yes. I know that they're a lot of work. Yes. For shizzle. Because I want, like, a saltwater one. Mm, me too. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a whole wall. Instead of the wall, it's an aquarium. That's all I need. I have Nothing a buddy big. that can help you actually put that together. He's no He's a legitimate... Oh my God, I would love to introduce you to him. His name is Steve and Stevie used to work for Mark Sark. He no longer works there. He works somewhere else, but um, he has many saltwater tanks. He has many, I'm talking like hundreds of pets, like fish uh... tanks, tortoises, like hedgehogs, Madagascar hissing cockroaches, like crazy pets, snakes. Yeah, he's like, he is basically everything I would love to be and do, but, um, I'm also lazy and suffer from pretty awesome depression. So, and I can barely keep myself alive and clean now with the pets that I do have. So I just want a big aquarium. Anyway, he could actually help you get set up with that. I could live Jeff's dream, real estate in an aquarium. I'm telling you, don't hate me, bro. I didn't know it was your dream until after I already started living it, okay? Because <laughs> I have a beta fish, motherfucker. <laughs> Two. Two of them. Well, Lionel dropped him off at the mall to go find a job because he figured he could, you know, go to the stores in the mall. And plus, I don't know if the state employment office was right there or if it was like close or if it was in the mall. But either way, he said he could get to it from there. So when Lionel goes to pick him up after the entire day, he was drunk as fuck, stumbling everywhere. Lionel refused to take him home. He's like, you know what? You've put Sherry through enough. I'm not taking you home like this. Uh, Call me when you're sober. Hmm. Guess what phone call never came in? Yeah. The sober one. I know that from experience. You mean an alcoholic didn't voluntarily sort themselves out? In in the evening, even? <laughs> Do you know what you're asking here? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So he goes, uh, Lionel goes back to the mall at like 10. All the stores are closed and everything. He's looking for him. Can't find him. So he calls the cops. And he had been taken to jail for drunken disorderly. Lionel bailed him out. Mistake number one. And basically told him, hey, bud, time to join the military. You didn't get a job. Military. Bye. Um, so there's a, a weird timeline thing that I can't figure out, which isn't extremely relevant. But um, I found two places that said that he that Lionel remarried. 
well, Lionel and Sherry got married on December 24th of 1978. When he's telling the story about this job thing, he said he was already married. So mm, I'm not, okay. it's not that big of a deal, but just <clears throat> timeline hiccup. Yeah. Jeff enlisted for a three-year tour on December 29th of 1978. When he went in, he was 71 and a half inches tall, which is actually 5'11". 5'11 and a half inches tall. And he weighed 200 pounds. I did not know he weighed that much. That's why I was like, he was bigger than I thought. Because I didn't think he weighed 200 pounds. Neither did I. So, I mean, that's still not very big. That's like... Just a little bit taller than Clint and Clint's size. Like, that's still not very big. Once his processing was complete, he was enlisted to be a military police officer. Okay. I don't know who was making those choices, but they choiced wrong. (laughs) Their choices were wrong. (laughs) He was transferred to Fort McClellan, Alabama on January 12th, 1979 for basic training. He did well in basic training and completed it on March 1st. However, his um, advanced individual training as a military police officer did not go well. And this is where his army troubles began. His alcohol use caused his unit to get punished with extra physical training. Like you do. Yep. This didn't make the unit very happy. So No, you don't win friends and influence people no. by constantly getting you in trouble. No. Um, so when, <laughs> so they like beat the holy fuck out of him, of course. Like you do. And that didn't teach him enough lesson because it happened again. And this time a few bigger soldiers followed him into the bathroom and beat him till he was like bleeding from everywhere. This caused him to get a concussion and his left eardrum was ruptured. Ow. Yeah, fucking ow. I would yeah, but that's kind of on you, dude. Like, if you get your ass kicked more than once for the same kind of shit, you're either a slow learner or you fucking, you get what you get. Right? Like, at least he was drunk, I guess, and probably didn't feel it like he should. I don't know. <laughs> you I feel it later. Right? Maybe, if he sobers up. Due to his injuries, he was transferred to Fort Benning for medical care for three days. Oh, he got a proper ass kicking. Yeah, he did. Three fucking days in the military. I don't know if the army is like the Marines, but the Marines are like, you're fine. Take some Advil. Go. Here's some sodium naproxen. Yeah. (laughs) Bye. Walk to the store and get some Advil if you feel like you fucking need it. You're fine. He ended up transferring to the Academy of Health Sciences at Fort Sam Houston. Fort Sam Houston. Mm-hmm. In Houston, you know what I'm trying to say here. Because he didn't make it in the MP program. <laughs> they were like, nah, that's a no for you. Let's, Let's try see. something Let's see, you different. can't follow the rules, so what makes me think you're going to enforce them? <laughs> for oh. real. <laughs> uh, I keep giggling because I can only imagine him as a police officer. Like, drunk as shit, stumbling into people. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sir, you're not very good at this job. Um, Fort Sam was more laid back and often referred to as the country club of the military. Our friend, who wrote the book, the Dahmer book, Stephen Lampley, was also there at this time in training as a medical specialist. 
Some said that Jeff was later able to perform his dissecting and dismemberment because of his medical training in the army. But Stephen Lampley says this is so not true. He said they did not teach anything like that. They took the same classes from the same place and of all the things they did, they learned, that was not it. It was more of like basic emergency training. So they learned how to bandage and learned, you know, mm-hmm. basic emergency, not how to dissect and dismember and any of that shit. Jeff would often go to the NCO club and have a beer with some of the other students. He was quiet and friendly, they say. Some of them. There's so much back and forth of what people say about him that it's it's weird because you'll see. Lionel said that he didn't see Jeff for six months because he was out doing all of his basic training and everything. But he picked him up for leave at the bus station. Um, after he'd been gone for six months and he said he was a totally different person. He didn't smell like alcohol. He actually had a personality and he stayed home for two weeks. Lionel said they had cookouts and played tennis and Jeff helped with chores around the yard. And he was like, Lionel was just totally amazed at this transformation that, that Jeff had made. (laughs) Transformation. My ass. Trick you. Ah, jokes on you. When he dropped him off at the bus station, Jeff was, like, confident and ready to go. So, the first time he dropped him off when he was ready to go, he was like, no, I don't want, you know, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. This is scary. I don't want to go. But this time he was like, cool, that, you know, I'm going to go back now. Bye. I got it. Yeah, he said he, like, waved out the window of the bus and everything, and it was like he was a human again. Well, Funny how that works. From there, he was transferred to bomb holder. I know I'm saying that right. It's probably Baumholder. <laughs> Some, Mordor. Some Mordor. <laughs> Something German. Um, yeah, so that gives, tells you that it was in Germany <laughs> on July 13th of 79. He didn't make very good choices here. Just in case you had your hopes up, <laughs> he didn't do it very good. The transformation was not what it seems. Yeah. Um, on Fridays, he would drink till he passed out, wake up, rinse, repeat. Probably didn't rinse, though. He would miss meals to drink, so he wouldn't go down to the mess hall or whatever they had to to eat because he chose to drink instead. Once he started being a little bit friendly with people, he would have people come over and drink with him. He had a little mini fridge where he kept his ice and his booze because he was always drinking mixed drinks. Um, This fridge, however, was soon confiscated because possession of hard liquor was prohibitato. Like it is. Yeah, so they're like, no, we're going to take this now. Not for you. He got transferred from his first room to another room next to him because nobody liked him. His new roommate later said that he could see how he would how he would lure people in, though, because he was a likable guy, except for when he was drinking. Hmm. So he would make friends when he wasn't drinking, and then when he was drinking, he was a complete cunt. So there's that. Um, He may have been considered likable, but one thing he didn't like was to take orders. (laughs) That makes the military difficult. It really does. From what I understand. It really does. Like one time he was told to take out the trash and he looked at the dude and was like, go to hell. I had somebody when I lived in Oceanside, I actually Mm -hmm. had some lady Marines try to like recruit me. They're like, Oh dude, you're still young enough. Like you're buff, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. 
And I was like, but here's the problem. I don't like orders. You can't tell me what to fucking do. Not never know how. I don't run. <laughs> that would be my first thing. A, I don't run. For, like, that is That all. is not even a negotiable fucking term in my life. And you can't tell me what to fucking do. Yep. Yeah, mine would be, I don't So, mind. like, if Sergeant Shithead got up and started screaming at me and I had to spend my days fucking peeting until my fucking guts fall out of my ass, like, no, dude, get fucked. That sounds horrible. I bet I'd be in so much better shape as a human being, though, if I hadn't been in the military. <laughs> Things would have been exponentially fucking better. Eh, you live and you learn, right? <laughs> Is it too late? Yes. Send me to the fucking military. Just a little bit. Anything's got to be better than this. We're a little bit too old now. Well. Can I get the fucking senior citizen version? <laughs> For real. What is right. the senior citizen PT <clears throat> like? Please tell me. DDP yoga from Dude, a chair. <laughs> they're probably, like the officers that are older than us are probably PT and they're like, Oh, this is just a, you know, numb or dumbed down version of the PT. And we're like, what the fuck? I'm over here fucking clutching my chest. What did you just do? I'm we're like, coming, Elizabeth. We're 30 seconds into it and I've died. It's the big one. <laughs> the big one. Fuck. <laughs> so, yeah, he tells the guy, go to hell when he tells him to take out the trash. Or, like, there was a guy that would tell him, to go do something in motor pool. And he would sit there and stare at him, clearly not listening to a fucking word he's saying, because in his mind, he's like, fuck you, I'm not doing that. And he would go down to motor pool, get in a vehicle, and go to sleep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can, I, I like that. I like that choice. I would do that too. Jeff went on a two and a half week field training exercise at some point here in October. Um, he was said to be sober the entire time and was actually promoted to private PV2. Okay. So that's good. That's a good thing, I guess. He had like ups and downs. So, you know, what else? Around this time, some of the other, around this time, some of the other soldiers found out that he was a virgin and had never kissed a girl. Oh my. They wanted to change this. So they took him to a brothel like you do. And they sent him off with a girl, but he like he ditched out. He he bounced the fuck out of there, and dude, yeah. The <clears throat> whoever decided that being a virgin was a bad thing and that like waiting to have sex was a bad thing is a butthole. I know. Don't tell people when they're ready to have sex. I don't right. Give a fuck how old they are. Right. Like, yep. Yeah. I actually had a I had a manager. Um. I'm not going to say his name or anything or like where I worked because then that would be outing him and that's not my place. But it was kind of, it was common knowledge that um, he was he was the actual 40 year old virgin. Oh, God. Um, he had never, you know, he hadn't been married. He hadn't, you know what I mean? And he was waiting for marriage and he hadn't found Mrs. Wright. You're missing out, motherfucker. And <clears throat> yeah, so he was like in his late 30s, early 40s anyway. Um, and I thought that was cool. Like, good for you. Right. Like he knew that he wanted to be with only one person and that, you know. Yeah. So regardless of, you know, how awesome I know it is, <laughs> uh, I was like, good for you. Anyway. Once he don't banged, fucking... he was probably like, why did I wait? Oh my God, for real. I, I just think that like the, the whole like, we're going to take you out and make a man out of you. I don't, don't wait. Stop yeah, fucking doing that. Yeah, let him do it when he's ready. And clearly for him, that wasn't. Good for him for fucking. Tree here. Well, yeah. 
that dog's not going to hunt. <laughs> nope. Nope. But anyway, he like, yeah, they, he returned to the barracks, still a virgin. And his friends were not happy with that. Not one bit. They would end up trying to get him to go a few more times after that. But he mm. still didn't do it. He was often caught masturbating in the shower. Okay. However, like... Isn't that where you're supposed to do that? Right. I was married to a Marine for, like, I don't even know how long we were married. But he said that everybody was jacking off. Like, they would be like, hey, my turn to go jack off. Like, it was like like, isn't that? Yeah, I was going to say, like, if you're going to go and do that, like, aren't, like, you know, and especially being in the military and being in, like, the shared room and shit, like, wouldn't that be the most reasonable place to go and do that? Right. And maybe that was like just when they were in Iraq, just when they were, you know, deployed that they did that. I don't know. I didn't ask for too many specifics. And so maybe that wasn't that way, like in the barracks where they could go, where they could leave and go to a brothel and, and pay some nice young lady for some vagina. I don't know. I don't know either. But they, they did make mention of it that he was always jacking off in the shower which to me i was like okay cool sorry dude i have brothers and i raised a son like i know that right they do that in there so i that doesn't seem abnormal or weird to me unless you're like taking 47 showers in a day and every time you get in the shower you're pulling on your wiener like okay that feels excessive maybe that got weird. <laughs> maybe you're running out all you know yeah. running out all the hot water i don't know i don't know fuck you and your pleasure shower yes Well, one time, Jeff was in the NCO club drinking, and an NCO told him that he had his own apartment and that there was a party there. And he was like, do you want to come to my party? And Jeff's like, okay, cool. Yeah, let's go. But there wasn't a party there. Oh. Mm -mm. The party was in his pants. Perfect. So when they got there, the NCO, like, smoked a bowl and drank some beer and then got in the shower. And he tried to get Jeff to go to bed with him, but Jeff refused and left. Okay. That kind of threw me, threw me off a little bit. Maybe he wasn't... I don't know if he wasn't... I find that I interesting know. that he killed somebody that tried to leave him, but he didn't want to yeah. stay with somebody that wanted him to stay. Right. And maybe it has to be on his terms. Maybe it has to, mm-hmm. you know... Right. Maybe he likes to be the person that's like, hey, you're mine. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because that one kind of... That one threw me off just a little bit. On Thanksgiving of 1979, Jeff and a fellow soldier were invited to another soldier's home for dinner. There was a blizzard that day, and they were invited to stay, but Jeff was like, didn't like the sleeping arrangements, and so he didn't want to stay. I don't know what the arrangements were, but he did not like them. He was like, well, okay, then I'll walk back to the barracks, and he left. A few of the other guys... In the blizzard. Yes, in the blizzard. A few of the other guys left to go find him, but after 30 minutes, couldn't find him and went back to the house. Four... like you know if he was dumb enough to walk fuck it um that's when you know your friends straight don't give a fuck about you for real those aren't your friends well four hours later jeff knocks on the front door four hours later in a blizzard okay took off walking mm-hmm. knocks on the door okay. his glasses were missing and he had blood on his clothes this is still one of those times that we don't fucking know what happened nobody knows but he liked to disappear a lot. Remember back at prom when he disappeared for a mm-hmm. while? Mm-hmm. It's nothing new. He's a, he's a disappearer. Um, nobody would ever know where he went. Once he went to Oktoberfest in Munich on November uh, November 22nd. He left on November 22nd of 1980 and didn't return till November 29th. 
and nobody had seen or heard from him. He went by himself. When he returned, he had blood on his clothes again. Don't you start asking, like, even if I'm not that close with somebody, if they come back multiple times with blood on their clothes, I'm going to ask them. I'm going to be like, what the fuck are you getting into? Right. Not that it's any of my business, but what are you doing? Okay, this is the second time that you came back covered in blood or whatever time it was at that point. Listen, Uh, I'm not trying to get sucked into your weird shit. Either you're getting your ass kicked or you're kicking somebody's ass, and I don't want to be implicated either way. No. Is it hunting season? Do you hunt? What are you doing? Is that what we're doing? I don't know what's going on here. Should I be fucking worried? Oh, so something that I didn't I didn't go into detail on or, or talk about at all when he was in his MP training that he didn't do well, he was a really fucking killer shot. Like he was amazing at, oh. you know, just I don't know if that has to do with anything. I just thought of it. But yeah, I thought that was kind of strange. Cool. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's something. Um. So while in. Oh. There's a lot of speculation that he was responsible for several several unsolved homicides in that area at that time, but all of them were women. Uh, huh. There's no evidence and no arrests were made. Um, this could possibly explain why he showed up and covered in blood, but it doesn't really fit his other victims. I was going to say that's not necessarily his MO. Mm-mm. And so it's still really like... <laughs> speculated (laughs) but not speculation it's all speculation he had his share of drunken disorderly while he was in germany he had a lot of other run-ins as well he didn't like to follow the fucking rules go figure in march of 1981 he was drinking on duty like you do the commander revoked his ass ass (laughs) or his access to classified material and was referred for discharge. He was like, you know what? We're done. I'm fucking done with this shit. Because it was like he got caught doing this and got caught doing that. And it was all within a few months. It was just like one thing after another. And he ended up being deemed unsuitable for military services and was discharged from the army on March 26, 1981. Later down the road in... In interviews, he admits that he liked, he admitted that he liked the structure of the military, even though he didn't fucking like to take orders. He liked the structure. Um, and he said that his time in the army kept him from committing murders at that, at that time. While he was in the army, he didn't commit <clears throat> murders because he was constantly surrounded by other soldiers. So there was a few years there that people were saved from being murdered because he was in the military. Thanks, Uncle Sam. Yeah. (laughs) Well, at least his time in the army did something good for us. Well, back at home, Lionel had received a few letters. Like over the last few years, he'd received a few letters and a few phone calls. Phone calls during the time that Jeff was in Germany. But there wasn't a lot of contact, but he wasn't, like, overly worried. So as far as he was concerned, Jeff was doing great. He The lack of contact wasn't really a big thing because Jeff kept to himself. Until one day, Jeff's trunk with all of his military uniforms and all of his belongings showed up on Lionel's doorstep. He didn't know what was going on. He was like, um, okay, why is all this shit here? And then a few days later, he got Jeff's discharge papers. Mm. 
But where's Jeff? No jefe. I'll tell you next week where Jeff is. (laughs) (laughs) So that's part two. I'll probably have two more parts of Jeffy. That will be the end. Next, the next part is going to be the the dirty one. Prepare yourself for dirty. The next two are going to be dirty. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Yeah. And maybe don't come home with blood on your clothes. Mm-mm. And uh, stay, stay out, out of chalk lines. lines. Goodbye. Goodbye.